Welcome to the Spiritual Shiftworker Podcast. I'm Lyanne, and I'm so happy that you've pressed play today. This podcast is here to inspire you, but more importantly, to provide you with the tools you may need in order to make a shift in any area of your life. Whether it's a small shift or a big shift, I will be sharing real-life stories from incredible humans who have done both. And of course, as a shift worker, we will navigate all the ups and downs of working shifts, from nutrition to learning how to ditch the overwhelm, to creating more time to do the things that light you up. So grab that Java, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome back, beautiful souls, to another episode of the Spiritual Shiftworker Podcast. In this week's episode, Jess and I talk about listening to your intuition, even when it makes no logical sense. And you'll figure out from the conversation why I have Jess on the podcast, because as a former police officer, Jess had no real explanation for why she wanted to enter this profession, but she just knew. And on the flip side, Jess talks about when she realized that it was time to move on and shift into who she truly desired to be. She felt the nudges, followed them, truly not knowing, but trusting the feeling, even in the discomfort of the unknown. We also dig into the not-so-often-talked-about aspects of policing and how, as first responders and shift workers, having a life outside of work is necessary. Enjoy this conversation. Let's get started. Jess, welcome to the Spiritual Shipworker Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. And I just want to share uh, with the listeners a little bit about our connection. And if for anyone who's been listening, they're going to start to see a little bit of a theme because um, my very, very first guest, I also met at Lori Harder's uh, Bliss Project in 2019. Um, and I feel that we had an instant connection due to the profession that A, I was in and that you, and then we'll get into the conversation, we're also in. And yeah. I just think it was, it's understanding when it comes to policing that when you find someone else who's been in the career or is in the career you have this connection because it is um, a very very different career than most others and since then uh, I've noticed that we've well for me personally but I've been watching your journey and we've really both grown into who we are um, and definitely share a passion for the slower life um, yoga, meditation, and obviously personal growth. So I would really love for you to introduce yourself today to my listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you are currently excited about at this season in your life. Yes, well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I am super excited to be here and to just chat all things life and career and you know, wherever the conversation takes us because we're multifaceted human beings, right? So we have all of these different areas we want to explore. And sometimes I think, especially in a profession like you're in and I was, we get pigeonholed into that and we start to not explore the other av- assets and avenues of ourselves. So I'm just really excited to kind of dive into all of that goodness. But um, yeah, so for your listeners, my name is Jess. Um, I was a police officer for 10 years and then left that profession to not really know what I was going to do when I left, but (laughs) but kind of trusting um, that things would progress and develop as they were meant to. And so now I'm on this whole new journey of, I don't, I don't really know how to, and nor do I necessarily want to put a label on what it looks like, but it, it falls into that self-development, um, personal expansion realm of things. Yeah. I so, love that word after uh, like expansion. And that's really and again, the name of this podcast, The Spiritual Ship Worker, right, is a, a play on words of my life as a ship worker, but also the fact that we are spiritual pe- beings, right? Like, it doesn't matter what you want to label it, but we really are 
here to experience what this earth and this life has to offer. But I love that word expansion because I find if we're not expanding and you're not growing, then what are you doing really? And I think that's yeah. such a great, I really, really like that word. Maybe that'll be my word for 2023. Um, know. <laughs> if you, you know, it's like jump on that thing. I, I never used to do it, but I really, I think it's a great thing to, to sort of anchor yourself into. Um, it's like a North star for your year. So as you start to kind of navigate what that looks like, you have something that kind of tethers you and brings you back because it's really easy to get lost in the sea of, of comparison and consumption and shiny object syndrome. And yeah. Yeah. That's actually one thing that I've just had a shift over the last week, two weeks is that uh, that's really what I've been doing. I have literally shiny object syndrome where I'm like, oh, this is going to be the magic pill. This is the thing that's going to help me, right? And, and I'm like, oh, you have to stop doing that. But it's the self-awareness that you even realize that you're doing it is where you need to start. And that's why we always absolutely that self-awareness is the first thing. And so I think one, obviously the first question that I'm, we're going to go right a little bit backwards but how did you get into policing in the first place? And so now it's been four years, I guess, since you left that career, but 10 years prior, 10 years in, yeah. but what got you into that? So it's, it's so funny you asked this question because I, is, I'm sure this happens to you. You get this question all the time, especially as a female in the profession. It's like, how did you end up here? And, and, you know, all of this. And I used to hate that question because I didn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have anybody that was in the profession that, you know, like I, I looked up to and wanted to follow in their steps and, and not that I didn't want to help people, that was not the underlining reason why I got into the profession. Um, and, and so when somebody would ask, I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just, it's just what I was supposed to do. And because I knew from 12 years old that policing was the profession that I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be a police officer. I didn't know why, but it was this inner knowing this, that intuition that I think as kids were much more tapped into. And then we start to lose that trust with it as we get older. Um, and so I just followed those breadcrumbs. Like I took all of the next steps, like, okay, this is, this is my North star. This is what I want to be and what I want to do. And each next step and progression in that it's still held true. Um, and so then that, that led to finally getting hired and and being in the profession and it all lining up. And, but then people would ask and I was like, I don't, I don't know. And it would seem weird to just say, well, my intuition led me to this profession. Especially, sorry, especially at that time, because people were like, what, what is she talking about? Uh, are you, are you sure you don't need some help? Like, maybe. yeah. Um, so that's so why I would avoid the question or I would, you know, tiptoe around it. And, and then, you know, as I've progressed on my own journey, I've realized it was just, that was just my intuition leading me on my path. That was part of my journey and to just own the fact that I trusted that guidance. I don't have to have logical answers or reasons for why I pursued that profession. And it mirrors why I left the profession too. Not mm-hmm. having logical explanations or reasons, which as an adult is much harder to swallow. Yeah. You know, we want that that logical explanation. We want that because I did this, I'm going to get this result. And we lose that, that, not just that trust with ourselves, but that ability to dream and 
kind of play in the mystical and magical of like what could be of possibility and the unknown. We get very happy and content with the known and with safety. So. Yeah. And that's the comfort, right? And then there's so much that goes into, I mean, any career where you are guaranteed that paycheck, you're guaranteed the pension um, and it, people get very comfortable. You're right. And, it, but I liked what you said there is that they lose the, that intuition of following. Well, maybe like, why did I get here? Like I've had that question a thousand times, right? Same thing. And I'm, and this is probably why we connect so much is that I also had no reason really yeah. to be um, in this profession. No, no one in my family and my dad, no one had been in this profession before. A good friend of mine got hired a few years before me, but um, did you at the time, like when you were in the profession, in policing, did you really realize that you were following the breadcrumbs? Like, were you aware of it at that time? So I don't know that I would, at the time, classify it as like following the breadcrumbs. It was, it was definitely much more from the logical part of my brain and, and going, okay, so this is what I want to do. Um, so that means I need to go to school. I need to finish this. I need, you know, like the, the steps in order to achieve that goal was what I was operating out of. Um, and so it was the, the trust and faith in knowing that this was the profession and calling for me at the time, but here are the logical steps to achieve that. And that's what I, what I focused on. And so by the time you know, I, I went through all the schooling and the training and got hired and, and did the whole process. I had started to not necessarily lose my sense of intuition, but how I identified it changed. And it became kind of that, that, you know, beat cop, trust your gut kind of feeling, not and it was it was solely related to the profession. Mm. So I had stopped tuning into anything outside of that because everything became my my identity became that profession. Yeah, and that happens a lot. That happens yeah. there, I think at some point in any uh, and a lot of other careers as well, but policing, I find, again, that's been my world for 20 some years is that people get in this and you're, you're, it's interesting you say that because now I can think of specific people in situations where it's like they have really lost their personal identity and they are just the cop um, and they can't get out of the work mindset and everything affects them in such a way. And I and I don't know from your experience, if you've seen that a lot with female officers, I don't find it quite as prevalent in that. I find more of my male coworkers get into that because it's such still a masculine profession that they get so into it that then they don't know how to get out. And that then dealing with the stress and the identity and they have to be strong and they can't deal with their emotions. And then comes the PTSD. I find that a lot more and that just my experience that it does affect men uh, a little bit more, but that, yeah, I've been in there too up until the last few years that had been my life. Right. That's, and especially mm -hmm. my, my husband's a police officer. So it's, it's all around me. Um, and so I don't know, like, did you find that like women are still innately, I think we're all, we all have that guidance in ourselves, but how was your experience with that with other uh, female officers? Did you find that some were more apt to be stuck in that identity? It's, it's interesting because I, I would agree that I think it tends to be, you see it more predominantly with, with your male coworkers as far as 
getting stuck in that identity. Like, this is who I am. This is what I do. I live, breathe, eat, sleep this profession. And then you see those same guys retire and in retirement go into the same career and they go and they work at the courthouse or the jails part-time. And you're like, but, but you just retired and left this and, but they don't know anything else where I think what I've noticed with my female coworkers is that it's easier to separate from the identity especially when you start to put on those other hats because we wear a lot of hats so if you're a mother if you're in a partnership like all of these you're expected to operate a different way when you're wearing those hats so it's taking off the police hat and putting on the, the mom hat or putting on the partner hat because Typically, if you're in that partnership, you're not going to be operating the same way that you operate when you have the uniform on, where it's more acceptable for the male to keep that same kind of role, that, you know, protector, that um, warrior kind of archetype. And as as the female, while you can go and do this profession and be the warrior and the protector, when you come into your home life, that identity starts to shift. So I think I, I would see it in in females that were new and young a lot like me. So when I started, I was single. I, I'm not a mom. So I didn't have all of these other identities that were vying for my attention. So it all became wrapped up in this, this brotherhood that is the profession. And so my time was spent in that identity, my friends, my coworkers, and most of my career was on third shift, which is a whole nother <laughs> beast in and of itself. It builds completely different relationships. And so you become even more isolated in that group because you operate when everybody else is sleeping. And most of the time you don't want to tell like cop stories. You know, everybody's like, tell me a good cop story. Uh, you're either going to think that I'm, really twisted because of what I've experienced or you're not going to understand, or I'm going to be like, well, I did a bunch of paperwork today. It was super exciting. <laughs> and you're gonna be like, but what, but that's not what cops do. Yeah, no, that's exactly what we do every day, <laughs> all day. <laughs> People just watch way too much TV. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're looking for this excitement and I don't have it for you. And and that's not how I want to connect with you. So I'm just going to stick with who I know and what I know, because we speak the same language and we have the same experiences and I don't have to put on a front in order to get through a conversation with somebody that's not in the profession, but it becomes super isolating and it becomes even more, you become even more stuck in that identity and you lose the pieces of you that make you the unique person that you are yeah oh I, I what you just touched on there right where you isolate and you stay within the same sort of parameters because it's easier right like it's easier not to have to go and put on a, a different face for different people and answer those questions and it's funny that you say that because I just experienced that sort of last week and again with my husband being a police officer as well I found recently and we didn't want to go anywhere we didn't want to be around people because we deal with people every single day and it was like okay we'd rather just stay in oh I don't feel like going out tonight I don't feel like doing these events with our kids and then I'm like we're missing our fucking life like yeah you know like busy is an excuse or I'm too tired is an excuse, but at the root of it, it's because 
you don't want to have people and then people ask you oh what do you do I said oh god do I have to answer this question and you know like so we really have over the years mm-hmm. oh we work for the city because that's just easier <laughs> right nobody like, really wants to dive into what that could mean like <laughs> no exactly I could be the sewer person are you an um, accountant or like <laughs> yeah, but it's and I like how you say that because I think even just from me thinking about that it's like yeah we really have ten over the years isolated ourselves or I've only then hung out with other officers because you get the inside jokes and you can share those stories about this call that I went to or this whatever. So uh, did you realize, like, again, when you're in it, it's hard to see outside of it. Mm-hmm. But at what point did you realize did you realize that it was like, okay, this, that knowing and that feeling that you had experienced from being a young, young, that this is where you needed to go? Mm-hmm. Was, was there something specific when you realized, okay, now it's time to move on? It's, it's interesting because looking back, I can see how some of those breadcrumbs or synchronicities started to to pop up but in the moment it wasn't anything earth shattering and and as I moved through it it 100% felt just like when I started the career where I had that this is this is what I'm meant to do it was that same like instantaneous knowing like it's time to go and I didn't know why I didn't have an explanation and, and my life was good. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't dealing with what a lot of people are dealing with now. Or when I look at, you know, my, my former department and, and my friends that are all still there and what they're going through. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that explains why I had that feeling to leave because that's not where I want to be or what I want to be doing. But even before then, certain things started coming into my life. And it was like, I had this inclination that maybe I should broaden my my circle of friends. Not too much, mind you. Like, I was not like, let's, let's go out and like socialize with people like completely outside of this, this sphere of of comfort, but it was baby steps. And, and so I remember, um, because going out and, and having that community where you go out for drinks and you swap war stories and, and all of that is, is part of the profession. And, and I enjoyed that part, that camaraderie, that that connection. And so I just kind of started to skate a little bit outside of it. So I had a couple of friends that were in the department on different shifts. Um, We worked the same days off, but there was a couple of these guys that played darts and they played with people that weren't cops. So there was like a mix. It was kind of like half and half. And I was like, oh, Like, this could be fun. And I might meet people that, like, clearly have an appreciation for the profession and and the people. So, like, you're not navigating that space of, you know, is this somebody that is going to just dislike me because of what I do? Or that worry of, like, you know, what what could potentially happen? Um. And, and there was the comfort and safety of the people that I know and work with and trust and had already built that friendship with. So I was like, okay, let's explore this. And that kind of led to let me explore other things. And so like the Bliss Project, how we met, I... I don't even know or remember how that came into my field of vision that it was something that existed, 
But when it did, I was like, I think I'm supposed to go to that. Mm. And that was a big step outside of my comfort zone because I went the first year by myself. I didn't know anybody, but I was like, I think this is what I need to do. And I don't know if I would have stepped that far outside of my comfort zone had I not started to take a few of those steps, not realizing that's what I was doing. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I find it's very fascinating to me when we start to take those little steps, those little shifts, right. And how our logic or our comfort, our fear can keep us there, keep us stepping backwards and going, Oh, I can't, can't do that because that's unsafe. And that's what our mind and our, and does, right. It wants to keep us comfortable. And yet you were able to take that, even though we're, they were baby steps, knowing mm-hmm. right, you had this knowing and trust that this is what I need to do. And I think so many people have lost that in being in touch with their, their themselves. I mean, yeah, we, we can see that through society, right? We know that ever, it's that fear and that not knowing and not trusting of their own abilities. They that feeling of fear is one thing, but the fear of trust, like the, being able to trust yourself is definitely something that we've lost. Within, from being in the policing career, we see that all the time of knowing mm-hmm. what is, you know, following what is true and being able to get out of your comfort zone and then knowing it was time, right? So in, in the 10 years in policing, what was there anything like, we, we all experience traumas in our life, regardless of what career we do, whether it be small or big or however we want to determine that make us who we are. But was there events? Like you mentioned, you know, you just had a knowing it was time to move on. But were there events within your career that you feel you're still dealing with or that you know you've now that happened so that I could deal with this life lesson. That was a life lesson that now I've brought forward. Is there anything? I mean, I'm sure there's tons, but yeah, it's one or so it's not what I think most people would think. That trauma would be in terms of, you know, having to deal with homicides and, and violence in terms, you know, like, yes, that, that causes some trauma response, but for me, it wasn't, I was, I was able to compartmentalize and I was able to process those big events because as you're going through training and you're, you're moving through your, your daily life, those are the things that you mentally prepare for in that profession. You know that you have the potential to deal with somebody who's been a victim of violence or a homicide scene or things that people hopefully never have to experience in their life. Like those are the things you know you have the potential to experience. So you mentally prepare for those and they're easier to put into that box and process and move through but what sneaks up on you or what sneaks up on snuck up on me (laughs) words that word um was the small stuff was the constantly going to the same house for domestic disturbance calls and seeing relationships, whether it be romantic relationships or platonic relationships or just interactions of people and how they were treating each other and seeing it day in and day out. And it's the slow, um, the slow eating away of how you view society and humanity. And you start to think that everybody is like that because that's all you see. And so then you become jaded to 
people that are outside of that field, people that you encounter in everyday life and you, you start to equate everybody as, as what you deal with on the street, which you're seeing people in their worst moments, whether they're perpetrators or suspects or victims or, you know, it's, nobody's calling you because they want you to know that they're having a great day. Like that's just, (laughs) so, so you get this one-sided view of society and it starts to, to morph how you see everything else and you don't realize it. Like, I didn't think that I had become as jaded as I had. I was like, yeah, I'm probably a little more cynical than I was, you know, at 23 when I started and, but, but not really. Like I still, you know, sunshine and rainbows and the glass half full kind of feeling, but in talking to friends and family that had known me since I was a kid, they're like, no, you, you got pretty jaded. We, we just didn't say anything. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess I did. And then I can see that looking back. I can see just how, how my, my view of everything was just more cynical and how being removed from that on a daily basis, like I, I'm not operating in a world that I think is just sunshine and rainbows all the time and nobody's out, you know, committing crimes and all of that. But I, because I don't see it day in and day out, I I get the opportunity to see all of the other parts of the world, all of the beauty and all of the magic and, and, and the lightheartedness and connecting with people and laughing and, and not laughing because, you know, we both understand the same morbid joke, (laughs) you know? So yeah, it's, it was the small stuff that, that kind of started to eat away and, and I think that would be something that I would caution people in the profession or just coming into it because, and, and you don't always see it when you're in the midst of it because it happens so slowly, but can you take yourself, can you do something outside of the profession just to experience people that are having a good day? that are, are enjoying life, that have good relationships, because it's not all doom and gloom and toxic. Yeah, right, because I mean, we, like you said, you go to the same house and dealing with the same people day in and day out, and that just in itself explains that, I mean, the majority of people that we deal with are repetitive. It's repetitive in nature. And you're right. It's a small percentage. Like, I mean, in my specific career right now, it is the same 10 to 20 guys. And I'm saying guys, cause that's what the statistic is mm-hmm. uh, doing the criminal offenses. And it's like, these are the same guys that I dealt the same guy I dealt with last week or the same it's. And, but yet you get very jaded in thinking, well, then it, all these people are the same. And, right. it's, and that's the bias that comes in and, and bias in policing is a huge thing, but people don't understand that that's where it comes from. It's not that we're inherently biased people. It's the constant dealing with the same thing over and over again, and then going, and then our body just reacts and our brain believes, right? Because that, again, our brain is a whole other issue and how our mind works Mm -hmm. to to put everything on a level playing field and to make it make sense well this just makes sense right logically that these all this whole group of people are the same because of our experience in dealing with the same people and so in your journey now out of policing 
and having always sort of had that, you know, sunshine and rainbow view on things, how has your personal journey into, because um, I know you've, you've traveled to Costa Rica a few times and done some real deep healing, but how, how do you now see people? Like, I mean, you always know there's, we know that 99% of the human races, there were good people. Right. Do you see people in a different, literally a different light, like more on a spiritual level, I guess, is what I'm going for. Yeah, it's, I always had the intention to see the best in people, even in the profession. And it didn't always pan out that way, you know, just like we talked about. But I think that's one of the reasons why I could go to a call and let somebody ramble on for 20 minutes about nothing that really pertained to the call or wasn't necessarily information that needed to be in a report or was going to move the call along because I, I could sense that they just needed somebody to connect with somebody that was willing to listen and not just brush them off. Yes. Now, was I able to do that all the time? Absolutely not. Like, you know, things happen and and you have to be mindful of everything that's coming in. But if I could take and spend 20 minutes letting this person talk about the challenges that they're experiencing with their kid who's constantly running away. And, and if I can offer insight or perspective or avenues that they can go down, great. But sometimes all they want is somebody to listen to what they're having to deal with instead of just going in and saying, okay, well, what's your kid's name? What were they wearing? What was the last time you saw them? Okay, great. Well, we'll put out a notice to be on the lookout and bring them home if we find them. So being able to do that with people that aren't necessarily experiencing super low moments, being able to have that connection with people, you know, when they come into the yoga studio and just being able to find out who they really are as people or what they're going with. And it's, it's really interesting to see people open up and, and share things that, that are personal to them and to have that connection with what you would seem like a surface level friendship. You know, we're not going out and hanging out on the weekends and having lunch and, you know, I, I see people because they're coming in for a service, essentially they're, you know, coming in to to take class. But I think when you have that caring and compassionate aura and you, you do truly care about the people that you're encountering, that that's felt and people don't necessarily know why I mean, I've had people go, I don't know why I just told you all of that. Like, I I literally just walked in to find out what classes you offer, what your schedule looks like. And now I've just told you everything about, you know, what I'm going through at work and, and, you know, and it's like, but that's great. Like you clearly needed to have that avenue to be able to express that. And you felt safe to do that with me. And so like, being able to continue to harness that energy, but in a, in a less dark space has been really lovely. Yeah. I think everyone, it doesn't matter. Everyone wants to be seen and heard. Everybody. 
And I, I love that because I find, again, it, and I know a lot of male officers who have that ability. Mm-hmm. And it goes both ways. It's not just specific male or female. It's a ma- it's an energy, right? That yeah. get in, get the job done, get out, next call. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. It is and not there's, it's gender not, specific. There's, <laughs> there's women, men, officers that do the same thing. But I was very much the same. I am very much the same, right? Like I will sit on the phone and just listen because, and then I'll get the, oh, thank you so much for listening. I know I've rambled on. I'm like, hey, whatever. Like I'm, this is my job. It's not just the paperwork. It's not just the, you know, arresting people. There is so much more. And to be able to take that now out of the the profession that you said, out of that toxic or darker atmosphere and bring it in but you were like that before right it's right it's it's something you've always had and I think we all have it Mm -hmm. right just bury it everybody has this compassion and this ability and this energy Mm -hmm. that literally we can put out and vibrate and the ripple effects everyone has that it's whether or not you are aware of what ripple effect you're sending out right and yeah. being able to have people basically, you already know, but confirm that what you, how you're feeling, how you're being is touching other people. That's, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Right? We're here for connection. I love it so much. And yeah. I think you are, you know, being able to come out of a career like policing and now what you do on a different level. It's the same, but it is, right? Everything, right. the connection with people is so, so important, especially in where we are right now. In, yeah. You know, 2022, especially over the last couple of years, right? There's, yeah, we went out to an event last night where it was, the, it was a networking event here in the city. And it was like so nice to connect with people in person, you know, and, and just, Everybody, the energy was so high because everybody Mm -hmm. felt it. Everybody wanted to be there. And I think what you're doing now is taking what you've learned, right? And being able to see into people. You can see into people differently, I think, after this career, rather than, you know, it's, you see people differently in all aspects. But, and you mentioned something really important. I think people that, are thinking about getting into this career is to remember that it's not always the big traumas, right? We focus on that so much at work. I agree. Like the debriefs for the homicides or the fatalities. And yet people, we aren't. And I, I see that we're not touching on the constant repetitive things that are going to just creep up on you that people aren't necessarily addressing on a daily basis. Yeah. And so what... You know, when you decided it was time, what did you have a roller coaster of emotions? Like, it's a secure job. You've got a pension. What are you doing? Oh my God. What are you going to do? Like, I'm sure you had all those questions, but in your knowing and your belief and your trust that it would all work out, it had to have still been a little hard. Oh my, it still is sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it was almost easier in the moment because it was a full body. This is, I don't know where this information is coming from. It is a divine download that it is time to leave. And I'm trusting that. And I don't have to know any of the answers or know what I'm supposed to do or be or what's going to happen a year from now, five years from now. But since then, that that roller coaster has has definitely. We've I've had highs and lows and and moments where I've gone. The hell did I do? Like, I loved my job when I when I left. Like, I still enjoyed doing it. I mean, I can look and see everything that they're experiencing now and go. I probably wouldn't love it now, um, but I left a secure job. I left, like I sold my house. I moved across country. I did all of these things, 
And for what? Like my life was good. And, and I left with the knowing that while it was good, I knew and know that it gets to be great. But maybe in order to get to that greatness, I have to go a little bit lower. I don't think that we have to experience rock bottom or or major um, upheavals in our life to make big changes. And I think that gets toted a lot on social media. Oh, huge. You know, it's this big, like, I, I hit rock bottom and that's when I knew and I was living in my car, had, you know, $80,000 in debt and, you know, $12 in my bank, all of these things. And not to devalue or undervalue somebody else's story, because obviously that's what they needed to go through an experience to arrive where they are. But I don't think that that is the only way to make change, to decide that you want something different. And sometimes it's a little bit harder to make those changes because you are going from something that you enjoy that provides that stability that's known and safe and is giving you a good life on the off chance that it could be better. I mean, there's the off chance that it might not like you're, you, you don't know you're stepping into that unknown where when you are coming from that rock bottom, where else are you going to go? Like this is your, you're either going to stay there or you're, you're going to ascend. But when you're in that, that middle ground and you're making that leap of faith, yeah, you could end up having that extraordinary, great life, but there's the potential that, that you could slide down a little bit. And so it takes extra courage, extra like trust in yourself that, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make this leap because I know I have it within me to do whatever I need to do. Like I've gotten here, I've, I've created this good life for myself. So if I make this leap in this choice and this decision, and it's not what I thought it was going to be, well, that's okay. Because I know I can go and create something different, something better, because I already have. So it's, it's activating that power within that reconnecting to that trust because it is all within each of us it just it gets dimmed and it gets quiet and it gets covered and so it's it's reactivating all of that energy within and knowing how to reparent ourselves how to love ourselves how to have that self-esteem and confidence in our own abilities because all of that then spills out to everybody around us. But if we don't have that within, we're constantly seeking external validation or external, you know, cues or this is, you know, how you have to do it. Then we lose that, that trust and that inner inner wisdom, that connection to source, God, divine, whatever you want to call it, that, that life force that moves through us. So it's just, it's what I'm so excited about now is, is helping people activate that because it's, it's already in you. You just have to just gotta dig it out, reignite it. Yeah. And how do you, and that's, that's a, the next really good question is that how do you for people like again, we're all born with it, right? And up to a certain age, they say they are about <laughs> seven or eight years old, <laughs> right? They quotation marks. You, they you you whether it's school or just conditioning and television and media, you start to lose that innate intuition that 
innate knowing that we are born with. And then I believe that that's why we come here. We come here for the experience of remembering why we're here, right? Everyone has a purpose and you can stay on the path. You can get off, you can get back on, but we're all here to experience, expand, right? And how do you help people do that? Like, how do you, people that are clearly so disconnected with that knowing in their inner selves, what is the first step? What's the first step that you would, a piece of advice for people that are like, I feel whether it's because they've hit the rock bottom and don't need to go there, right? This, this is about the little shifts in your life or the big shifts, whichever come to you. But yeah. it's like, how do we polish off that outer shell to get back to the knowing? Yeah, um, such a good question. And there's so many, this is why I love this work because there's so many different avenues and ways that we get to start to navigate this and and some of it is trial and error because we're all unique people so what works for me might not work for you or you know but you don't know unless you give yourself the opportunity to try different things but I think the biggest thing to start with is is so many people are outsourcing their their power they're outsourcing their thoughts to everything happening externally so it's overconsumption of media and programs and like everything and so they they don't have time to integrate or to understand what it is they're consuming because it just keeps flooding in And when you start on this path, you start kind of hearing the voices in your head differently. And so, so I personally think that we have three voices. We have our inner critic that is like that mean girl voice that is not at all helpful or productive and is just nasty. Mm -hmm. And we have our ego which kind of gets a bad rap, but I think our ego ultimately just is trying to keep us safe. So whatever our ego is saying is trying to keep us in our safety bubble and to keep us from exploring out that unknown space because we don't know what's out there. So it might come off as, you know, fear of failure, fear of success or or unworthiness, all of those kinds of feelings and emotions. But from that place of, well, just stay here where you know what you're doing or or how you fit into the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And then there's your intuition, that, that higher knowing, that guidance. And it's usually the quietest voice. And So in order to hear it, we have to get quieter and we have to slow down and we have to start tuning back into our body. Like I think because we're so, we're outsourcing so much, we're also so disconnected from our physical bodies and the information that it has for us. And so as you're moving through this journey, sometimes you're like, oh, was that, was that my intuition? Or was that my ego? And you're not, you're not sure because everybody says if, if it's meant for you, it'll be easy and you'll be in flow. And that's not true. Like, <laughs> no, like it would be great if that was the case, but it's not like, like sometimes your path is going to involve you having to push through barriers and blocks in order to, to reach that next level, to continue on your journey. But in the moment, it's going to feel hard and it's going to feel, you know, like you're, you're forcing something. And if everybody's saying that, 
well, if it's for you, it'll be easy and, and you won't have any issues, then you might go, well, that's not my path then. So that's not my intuition. That must have been my ego. But if we can start to understand the signals our body sends, then it becomes, it, it gives us another tool to access our intuition. So meditation is amazing because it quiets everything. Yeah. <laughs> and whether that's like sitting on a meditation cushion and, you know, like traditionally meditating. But I find when I do my morning walks, I have the biggest downloads and connection. So moving meditation is more impactful for me right now than stationary meditation. But also it's, it's super easy, but just shaking the energy off. So you have this place of like reset. So you're like, okay, get all the wiggles out, shake it all out. <sighs> Take a couple of deep breaths and then just ask your body what it feels like if it's a yes and notice what your body does. Do you shift back and forth? Do you notice a tingling sensation? Whatever comes up and then shake it all out again, reset, ask what is no and notice whatever comes up for that. And then ask yourself questions, questions you already know the answer to. Like, is my name Jess? Am I a female? Uh, do I own a dog? Like things that you, that are super easy, yes, no questions so that you can confirm what you're feeling is a yes and what is a no. And then when you have that, that confirmation that, okay, this is what it is when it's a yes, then you can go and ask about that intuitive hit that you got. Is this message from my intuition? Is this the path I'm supposed to, to take? And see how your body responds. Because you've quieted the mind, you've released bound up energy. So you're starting from kind of that place of neutrality and you, you're building that trust with yourself. You're coming back home to, to you and you're taking back that power. You're not outsourcing it to, you know, everything around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true, right? The slowing down and the asking better questions of yourself and not just, you know, running on autopilot. And that has been the biggest thing for myself as well. And the clients that I've been working with is that you need to slow down literally to breathe. Like that's where you have to start. And then yeah. asking yourself some better questions because your body, our bodies are so full of the knowing and the wisdom, and it's never, it's never going to lead you the wrong way. But you have to tap into that and understand what it feels like. You just described. You have to know what it feels like in your body when it's a yes and when it's a no. So I yeah. love that so much. And so sort of leads into one of the last questions. It's like, so this is what you are doing now. You're you're, maybe you can just explain what is that the journey that you take people on. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, yeah. It's it's been my own journey over the last couple of years that has led me here. Um, but but really helping people, and oftentimes I say women because I am a woman, and so that connection's a little bit more innate and natural, but. I work with men and women because we are all energetic beings. We all have this energy within us, um, but really activating that energy in people, bringing people back to themselves so that 
they're no longer outsourcing so that they can start to trust themselves to build that connection back with themselves because what we experience in the external world is just ourselves pushed out. So we can only perceive and understand what's already within. And so if we're constantly being triggered by what we're seeing, that's a reflection of of what we get to work on internally and the energy that gets to be moved and shifted within. If we're feeling like we're on a hamster wheel as it relates to something, then we get to explore that and see how we can, you know, activate that particular energy point, or maybe we're storing too much energy and we don't know how to release it. So it's working through all of the different energy points and just coming back to that, that whole being that we are. Um, And that is my favorite thing to do. That's what I, so I have um, activate is, going to be happening in December, which is just going to be a broad overview of of our energetic being and how to work with the energies. But next year, I'm diving into all of them in depth and so that we can really explore how we can really support ourselves, how we can understand, you know, if I'm feeling sluggish and slow like yes maybe it's because I'm I'm eating certain foods or I'm not moving but maybe it's because my energy is is blocked or I have too much and I'm just so grounded that I am not able to move that energy up into the the higher levels of consciousness or maybe I'm so up in my head and have all of these amazing ideas and things I want to do, but I don't know how to like shift that down and bring it into the the 3D world that we're in. So working with, with all of those different energies. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I think it's so, and there's definitely a shift in consciousness going on. I can feel it. People are shifting out of careers that are no longer serving them or shifting, you know, more authentically to do the things that they desire to do to just really, really find that fulfillment more. And I think this is so important for, for what you're doing and the work that you're doing to have a conduit for people to say, okay, this is my issue. What, what do I do with this? Like I have all these great ideas. I know that I need to make the shift, but I don't know how to get it manifest it sort of make mm-hmm. it real and I think it's so so important because when the more people that can learn to to make that shift into who they really are and what they really desire it's it changes it the ripple effects everywhere right it, it gives yeah. everyone permission to do the same thing and for you taking a 10-year career and shifting out of that it shows other people that are having those same feelings I can do this too. And I just need mm-hmm. to follow it, those feelings and the, the authenticness of where I need to go. So I just love what you're doing in the world and more people just need to follow you and, and be inspired to slow down. And that's certainly my goal with this podcast is to get that out to people who need it the most. So one final question is how do you find personally harmony in your life and I don't use balance for a specific reason because I don't think there is such thing I think that we can do so many things in harmony but how do you find the harmony in your life yeah so I love this question because I also agree that I think balance gets misconstrued as as equal as you know like I always think of it as like that seesaw and it's level and, you know, not moving and harmony and, and the way I view balance now, they have that same resonance of flow, of being able to move through 
with grace and compassion for yourself and your journey wherever you are in the path, but understanding that that some seasons are going to require a certain level or a certain showing up in a certain manner and other seasons are going to require something different or you know you may be in a season where your focus is on on work and it's a super hectic time for work so that's where your focus is and so the home life takes a back seat but it's finding those pockets of, of bringing your focus and attention to the home life and when you're there, when you can. And so what brings me back to harmony is nature for sure. Like I, I, my walks in the morning, yes, it's intentional movement. Yes. It, it has all of those benefits of exercise and moving but it gives me the opportunity to tune back into myself and sometimes those walks are accompanied by podcasts or books or music and sometimes they're walks in silence or nature I guess not really silence but (laughs) but but not the the consumption aspect of things um but it just is that opportunity to start fresh, to check in, to see what what is right for me today. Love it. Because every day is different. It is every day. And every day we have the opportunity to change or do whatever yeah. we want. I, I have zero expectations to be the same person I was yesterday because every day you wake up, right? And be grateful for that. Yep. Oh, I love this conversation, Jess, so much. So I know. just uh, let, let everyone know where they can follow you, all the things on the social media aspect. Yes. Um, Instagram, I'm Jess.Shapiro, and it's Jess with one S, because why waste time writing two S's when <laughs> one will do? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I love it so much. And people can reach out uh, on yep. Instagram if they're would like to know more information about your upcoming uh, programs and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the best, easiest way to find me is send me a DM and yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jess, for being here. And thank you. It's lovely. Yes, it's been great. Thanks so much, Jess. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with someone who you think would love it too. And a five-star review helps get the Spiritual Shipper Group podcast out to those that need it most. I can't wait to connect with you online, so make sure you follow me on Facebook at The Spiritual Shipworker and on Instagram at Lianne Magahi. It's time to enjoy the shift, one breath at a time.